Welcome to the Three Heads Podcast. Answers may vary. Each week we listen to your dilemmas and try to come up with workable solutions you can put into place to start improving your teaching life today. I'm Kate Harkins, a high school English teacher. And I'm Stephanie Handley, also a high school English teacher. This is our inaugural episode, so we don't have any of your dilemmas. (laughs) We do have plenty of our own, and we have had plenty of our own in the past. So we decided to head back into our archives and look at some of the mistakes we made as first-year teachers. Our first mistake was on both of our lists, so clearly we should start there. (laughs) Um, Well, I'll start and then Kate can clarify with her her details from her experience, but I, in my first unit teaching sophomores, I looked at my curriculum guide, my pacing guide, and I was like, oh, we need to cover grammar. Great. I'll do that on Thursday. And I've figured we would do participial phrase. No, not just participial, all the types of phrases <laughs> for a full class period. And they would write their own and it would be fantastic. And that is not how it went. I realized 15 minutes into the lesson that they weren't ready for the grammar. And if you're not a real English nerd like we are, you don't want to do grammar for a full 50 minute class period. <laughs> so Absolutely, it yeah. was, I had that sinking feeling of, oh goodness, I am supposed to do this four times today and it's a fail already and I have nothing else. <laughs> and four more times I yeah. have to act like I did this on purpose. And it's totally a valuable <laughs> lesson. What was your, do you remember what yours was? When you- Mine was, it was a grammar packet. So I had given them multiple grammar activities to do on their own. And then we were going to review it in class. So you both had a full period and probably they did it wrong. So it was a rough, uh, rough Um, road. I think several of them didn't know that the papers had backsides and (laughs) They did a horrible job. Correcting or reviewing grammar is a nightmare. Oh, it's terrible. And so, yeah, I realized um, pretty early on why lots of English teachers reserve grammar for the days they have substitutes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we decided um, to try doing, well, you probably just, we probably decided separately, but then So Kate has a few more years on me and she was my mentor on my first year and then we've been co-workers since then. So she set me on the right path that we needed to go back and start with parts of speech, start at the very beginning and then use it as an icebreaker, bell ringer, whatever you call it for your first 10 to 15 minutes of class every day. And that was a much more, it was more manageable for the grammar, but also it broke up the period a little bit too, which was nice. Yes. And also grammar is a, is really like the most mathematical part of an English language arts class. And so just like math teachers like to practice every day, the more you practice grammar, the, the easier it is and the less you have to remind someone what a noun is. Yeah. <laughs> or what the, what the be verbs are to look for in <laughs> passive voice. Absolutely. Yes. So those grammar packets were definitely very helpful when we finally got 
got that in the works. <laughs> All right. And what's your, what's your next one? I think I'm going to go for doing oral half sheet quizzes, <laughs> which I mean, there's multiple issues there. Number one, don't ask students to tear a piece of paper in half. It is really hard to paperclip those suckers together and miraculously everybody's eight and a half by 11 splits differently oh absolutely and <laughs> so that that creates just in terms of like ease of transportation to and from school that kind of thing is difficult but also doing oral quizzes i think i i probably did it for two reasons one because i could sort of do the test or the quiz i didn't do tests that would, that would really be mean uh, quizzes at the last minute, which, you know, as a new teacher is always helpful. I'm not pulling from something I did last year. So I could do it at the last minute, but then also I didn't have to worry about making copies at the time. I was not anywhere near a Xerox machine. I had to go two buildings over for to even find a printer. So I, kn I know that that was definitely part of the reason for it. But also that was just sort of what I grew up with mm -hmm. is you had your like five question quiz or whatever. And it sadly wasn't until my third year of teaching when I had a student with an auditory processing disorder that I could no longer rely on only the oral quiz and it really sort of sunk into me that absolutely this student needed that but all students would benefit mm -hmm. from being able to see the questions um, in front of them and it saved me from repeating the question seven thousand times seven times <laughs> <laughs> And then having to re-repeat number two while you're in the middle of number five. Absolutely. And <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, that was a, an, a, a lesson that took me a couple of years to learn. But once I learned it, I was like, it's kind of cruel to do it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> My next one is giving students surveys. And I think this is in your teacher training programs. It was in it the AP training AP. program to mm -hmm. ask students what lessons they liked, what they thought was good, what they thought was bad that you should change. And gosh, that's just really was not Asking a good experience. I think for one thing, I learned pretty quickly that they don't know what they don't know necessarily, mm -hmm. or they don't know what they need. It's sort of like asking a sick person what medicine you should give them, like instead of, <laughs> but I think it was even more so like, that's just asking to get your own feelings hurt because yeah. kids are mean, especially if it's anonymous. And so I think I learned really quickly that I put pride in my work and I'm already disappointed you didn't do a good job. I don't need you to also <laughs> tell me you hated it and think I'm a bad teacher. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I only did it once and I'm almost positive because you go through your paperwork and you grade faster than I do. I think you went through it and like told me how upsetting it was. And I was like, you know, what? I don't need to read this. <laughs> and I, I, I think I know what, what didn't go well. <laughs> and then I made like half, a, what is this, 2B or something like that, where I think 
I remember us making like like a PowerPoint slide that was up when they came into class that had some of the meanest comments on it. Like we were going to tell them, look what you did to us. And we I mean, did? yeah, oh, I must have blocked that out. And, I do not which remember. Which is so it. like, you don't let them know they got to you. No and so way. now I'm like, ooh, why did I do that? That's embarrassing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, I could slap myself. That's terrible. Yeah. You never let a student know that they get to you no negative or positive they will <laughs> weaponize it and use <laughs> yeah. it against you <laughs> or someone else will okay so all i wrote for this one was journals <laughs> period <laughs> another um, thing they tell us all to do yeah a- and again something i did in school something definitely in my teacher education in my credential program in when i was getting my bachelor's degree cuz i have an english credential obviously but i also have an english degree with an emphasis in education so i started taking education courses while i was still getting my bachelor's they said to do journals too. And it's a nightmare. Again, I, I clearly, there's a theme here. Like it's a logistical nightmare of, <laughs> of, I suppose if I taught English on television and only had one class with like 12 students right. in it, I could cart those journals around no Absolutely. problem. But when you have, I feel like I probably tried this with all five classes. Oh, so when you have five classes, even if you're just taking home four uh-huh. journals in box tops. I, that, box tops were my That was before were crates helpful. were cool, right? Like you can yeah. go to Target and yeah. get your plastic crates. Exactly. It, it, impossible to move around really easily. So you're going to stay at school longer to score it. <laughs> and then how do you score a journal? Someone's personal feelings and thoughts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if... It, if they're just supposed to write for five to seven minutes, is it based on volume? I know when I was in school, I had a teacher who was like that. It was based on the number of pages you wrote. I had other teachers who read and commented, which is all sort of like reading a kid's diary, kind of weird. But then also I had the ingenious idea of sharing the burden of coming up with prompts. I used quotes as we... So often, often do. do. It's hard to come up with like 180 quotes or something sure. like that. So Especially like, in the pre, pre-internet pre Instagram I, there, days. There was the internet <laughs> when I started teaching. There was an Instagram there that it wasn't super easy to find, you know, motivational quotes or quotes that students would want to respond to. So I had to put some legwork in. But students are not reliable. No. They don't want to share the burden with you. They don't want to share the burden. So maybe like a quarter of them would do what they were supposed to and provide me with a prompt. Sometimes what they thought was appropriate was not what I thought was appropriate. (laughs) So I ended up having to do extra work anyway. And so, yeah, that, that was literally something I did in my first year. And I probably after the first round of scoring was like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was a quick lesson learned but I feel like it's one that English teachers have to learn because even now in meetings I hear new English teachers talking about their students writing in journals and I'm like oh okay okay." Uh (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, my next one, we both owe, owe a little of the credit for this one. This was my first year teaching and Kate's fourth year, but first year teaching AP. So yes. we, we started the AP Lit program at our school and I'm a brand new teacher. My experience with AP was being an AP student and Kate had and just- a, And a really good yeah. AP student. <laughs> Which I've now come to realize that was not the norm. <laughs> I was just a mediocre one, but <laughs> you were a really good one. And so, and Kate had gone to an EP training that had ideas for how to do Heart of Darkness and suggested that we have students read the novel in its entirety before we discuss it, which on paper makes a lot of sense because yeah. it's a lot easier to discuss a book when you know how everything right. ties together. But I was going back through old files from my first year to see, oh, like, what did we have them do? And we had them, first of all, read Heart of Darkness on their own, no study guide, no questions, which, yeah. I mean, it took me, a, I like that book now. It took me mm -hmm. a good five, six years of teaching it to be mm -hmm. confident that I understood the whole book. Yeah, I, I read it when I was in AP Lit. I don't know how much of it I understood. Oh, it was the torture book in AP Lit for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then we had them read these articles to like get at the idea that if you're not part of a culture, you don't understand that culture. And then we were going to do close reading from passages of the book, which that part was not a total disaster. Yeah. And then they were going to read criticisms by Chinua Achebe and Joseph Conrad and then write an essay about whether... Uh, Conrad was a racist or not in his writing, which, I mean, that sounds like a really good unit, and we were pretty proud of it. Mm -hmm. um, but for high school students who are sometimes struggling readers to try to jump straight to all of that with no just basic, we all good, we know what happened, we know who yeah. the characters are, that was, that was a tough one. I'm pretty sure I had a student who wrote like three sentences for their essay, which yeah, absolutely, I don't blame them. Also, in retrospect, like that prompt, not really an AP lit prompt. No. I, I don't know what we were thinking. That's, yeah, I don't, I wonder if that was in like the college board materials about accessing literary criticism or something because we learned pretty quickly, like after the first year, I don't think we gave them ever a prompt that wasn't just a practice AP prompt. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty disastrous helpful for like teaching some of the elements of literature yeah. and things that students need to know, but like pretty brutal delivery system yeah. for sure. Okay. I have relying too much on the book curriculum. I think that's an, a common first year mistake. I think so too, because you assume like to, to you as the new teacher, the book is the authority why would somebody give you something that was not appropriate or didn't yeah, it's work? It's a publisher. It's, yes. it's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I started teaching in 2004 was my first year teaching. So it was the, we were not in the age of like digital textbooks or anything <laughs> like that. So it was very much like every story you start with a quick write, then you have at the end of the story, you're like, three to five reading comprehension questions, then probably another five literary analysis questions, and then some sort of like 
connection. Like, sort of. It could essay, be an essay. essay. <laughs> but I don't know what I'm saying here. That? And the same number of questions, regardless of the length of the text. Pretty much. So you do a poem or you do like the Odyssey, same questions. Qu- quickly found that that didn't, didn't work well. Again, on multiple fronts. First, that students didn't like preview the questions and then read the text with an eye to the questions so that they could focus. That's not like a normal thing that teenagers do. I mean, I didn't do it as a teenager. (laughs) I don't know why I thought they would. So that was definitely a problem. And then it also assumed a certain level of knowledge that Mm -hmm. my students didn't have, which was problematic for sure. So I think that it probably took a few years of trying out different configurations before we realized that really it's just better to provide them with the text mm-hmm. and embed the questions within the text so that they're yeah. they're starting to learn like, okay, so when you have a question like this, you want to look at elements of the text that look like that or something like that, sort of sort of meeting them halfway and building into the assignment a sort of modeling of what you would like them to do. Or if you can't embed it, we would do for novels, we would do it like on page such and so, what does, and so we would try to make it very clear that you were to do it as you went through the reading. You think, oh, I think at first we started with just asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Then we did, okay, well, we'll break it up by chapter. And then we were like, well, let's go ahead and put page numbers uh-huh. in. And I think <laughs> at, at one point we were like, why don't we go ahead and say at the paragraph that begins. Right. <laughs> yeah, we did. And then we got, and then we got online curriculum and now we just, here you go. <laughs> yeah. So that definitely was, I think it was something that fairly early on I realized wasn't working well, but it took me a while, obviously, as we just discussed, in order to figure out how to bridge that gap and how to get it to work. Which makes sense because they they make you feel in like site and district trainings or in your credential program that this is what you're supposed to be able to have your kids do. Like they're supposed to be able to answer these questions. Mm And it doesn't occur to you for a little while that, oh, I can I can break this down and they'll still be getting the skill. Well, my last one, it took me more than a year to learn this lesson. It's not setting boundaries for personal statements specifically, but mm-hmm. any assignment as well. I was going through old files today and I found a handout where I'd given them a winter break assignment and been like, if you need help, email me. I'll be checking over the break. And yeah. that brought back all kinds of traumatic memories of like, grading personal statements over the break and having just an inbox full of personal statements to look at multiple times. And it's terrible having to do that on your two weeks off from school. And I think as a new teacher, you feel a lot of ownership, like you really want them to do well, and you want to be helpful, and you want to be there for them. And that's just not sustainable. And so I think I learned over the years to say I'm available until X or, you know, I can answer questions on this day at these times. And that makes it a lot more manageable. Yeah, for sure. I definitely remember in, in one year, fairly early on, but it was definitely not my first year where working with seniors at 
being it being like two, two o'clock in the morning and emails are going yeah. back and forth between me and another student and like that's just not appropriate yeah and who are applying to college which yeah. that's literally what they're doing <laughs> need to be able to stand a little more on their own two feet and yeah. I needed to be less invested in what they were doing I think we started to realize like these kids need to get into the school on their own merit. Mm -hmm. And while we can help them brainstorm and we can help them flesh out ideas and we can help them to see like, oh, this is something you do want to write about. This is something you don't want to write about. When you really get too involved in the execution, Mm -hmm. then it's no longer just that student's work and, and, I know that there are lots of businesses that make lots of money who say otherwise. Right. (laughs) But I think for us, it just became sort of almost like a moral issue. Yeah. I I need to know that this student can do it on there. Yeah. Well, and I think it especially as we started to feel like they're struggling to do every assignment we give them, like they're not ready for college and that should be evident in their in their writing, and just as healthy human beings. We were not healthy human beings during that season. absolutely not. Absolutely not. And also that not being ready for a four-year university right out of high school is totally okay. Yes. And we we needed to embrace that more. It was almost like we had drunk the Kool-Aid of our school (laughs) and – and we needed to be like, well, wait a second. Like, not everybody needs to go to a four-year school, school right away. Right away. So thank you so much for joining us. We hope something that we said resonated with you today and that you have something you can put to work in your classroom. If you have a dilemma you'd like to talk to us about or you'd like to hear us talk about, email us at hello at threeheads.works. Haven't heard enough yet? Check out our YouTube video linked in the show notes. If you want to be notified of our next upload, be sure to follow us. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.